Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé, the podcast for those who drink rosé. What does Ronald Jenkins have to do with Fireball Island? Is it time to say Anyang Kasayo to Kim's convenience? Sure, we all know ghosts can boo it, but can they do it? Have you ever dreamed of scrambling eggs at home? By the power vested in me, I now pronounce you bitchin'. The answers to these questions plus sports, emotional weather, and state up, that's tonight on Person in Person. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Person in Person. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Person in Person is a news show for people who don't like news shows by people who don't like news shows. And this week, our show is coming a little bit late. Um, I, so I've been fighting off a sinus infection, and that's part of the reason. The other part is God. Um, we were about halfway through recording this week's episode, and my power went out. Uh, it was only out for about 45 minutes, but uh, by that time, it was getting pretty late. And uh, Gene, I believe you were probably in the shower by then. You'd talked about showering. Yeah, so yeah trying I just, to steam the funk out of my, my sinus cavity. And I just said, you know, screw it. We'll do it tomorrow. But then we didn't end up doing it tomorrow for other reasons, and... Now it's it's a couple days later. Whatever. Deal yeah. with it. It's it, life. You roll it, with it. it. It's the day that it normally launches, and this probably won't be uploaded till tomorrow, but I'll have plenty of time to get it edited tomorrow, so we're just going we're, we're gonna to roll with it. Let's get into tonight's story beats. Magawa, the African giant pouched rat, has retired after five years sniffing out landmines and unexploded ordnance in Cambodia. Yes, he did get a medal. Yes, there is a picture of it. And yes, it is adorable. Everything about that is is wonderful. Have you seen the picture yet, Gene? I guess not sending animals out to check for landmines, but he didn't get exploded. So yeah, it's wonderful. I have not well, seen the photo. Here's the reason why they use um, the rats, though, is that they're too small to trigger the landmines. Mm, mm-hmm. So they're in no danger. And because they can actually smell the landmines... Uh, mm-hmm. They can check an area that would take a human three or four days with a metal detector. They can check in 20 minutes. Nice. Yes. They are heroes. Yeah. And uh, even though Magawa is retiring, he's actually staying on to help train some other rats. Oh, good. Yeah. So he's he's great. And you should definitely uh, look for the picture. It's Passing adorable. on generational knowledge, which I can't imagine. It's crazy. So... He's five years old. That's really old for a rat. Yes, but for the African giant pouched rat, mm, it's, yeah, it's so old, the specific but they, breed. Do, they do live longer. And he is, he's when they say a giant rat, they're not fucking around. This guy's a chungus. Okay, so I'll have to take a look at the photo. Yes, it rules. 
Despite news that enhanced unemployment benefits are not causing the rebound in the job market to slow, President Joe Lesser Evil Biden has gone on the record as saying he's glad the benefits will expire in September, and that it's all good with red state governors canceling the benefit early. When pressed for further comment on the seeming change in position, Biden responded by telling reporters, You're too uptight! Relax! Take a walk! Get a massage! It's the 90s. Hey, listen, Jack, I used to have an uncle. He was half Greek and half Puerto Rican, and everybody gave him the business. But I'll tell you what, man, he could lick a harmonica like like nothing you ever saw, and it was beautiful, man. So everybody just calm down, you know? Yeah, 23 skidoo. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Lesser evil, mostly by weight. A herd of elephants escaped from a Chinese nature preserve and blazed a 500-kilometer trail of destruction, causing one onlooker to comment, they're moving in herds. They do move in herds. I, I didn't know that Alan Grant was spending time in China this year. Well, there's lots of dope dinosaurs in China. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's absolutely true. If you're looking for fossils, that's like the place to be. Particularly pterosaurs. A New Mexico sheriff campaigning in a run for mayor was interrupted during a speech last week when a drone laden with a dildo crashed the party. The venue's owner grabbed the drone and threw it to the ground before it was able to reach the sheriff. The pilot of the drone was arrested and charged with some misdemeanors, but stressed that this is still a very real victory for the Flying Robot Dongs movement. Terrifying. Inspiring. <laughs> well, to each their own. The Sackler family, architects and chief beneficiaries of the opioid epidemic, will not face any consequences for the empire of misery they created, as federal judge Robert Drain has effectively given them, everyone they know, and everything they own immunity from opioid lawsuits. If you have a problem with that... Message redacted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. A Florida man being chased by police this week threw his infant child at a deputy while trying to avoid capture. Usually these stories are a little triggering for me as a parent, but in this case, the child was unharmed. I can't believe this is not the first time I have to bring this up on the show, but don't yeet your kids. Don't yeet your goddamn kids. They're terrible. They're too soft and fragile, and they're completely unaerodynamic. Right. It's not... A child is... I mean, I guess, I guess a child could be a weapon. I mean... I mean <laughs> I'm thinking about... I'm thinking about the serious ouch little Gene has laid on me over time. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever had a child, like, yeet a toy truck at you... Yeah. Like, directly like, at your face. Yeah. Which happens all the time. That shit hurts. Like, yeah. It's it's no joke. You wouldn't think that the physics would be on their side, but but it's not gonna it, it's not gonna stop a police officer. That's the divide. You have to be well, human for that to affect you. That's why you gotta sharpen the edges of your kids' trucks. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I've I've been saying for years, children's toys should be sharper and heavier. All right, no, I think that's enough about the news. Let's get on to main news. Let's do it. All right, our top story, the ongoing board game craze shows no signs of slowing, but one board game was brought back that perhaps shouldn't have been. If you were a child of the 1980s, no doubt you saw commercials advertising Fireball Island. 
a game that largely cribbed from Indiana Jones, featuring treasure hunters trying to navigate the treacherous paths of a jungle isle, while the carved stone idol at the peak, Volcar, rained fireballs of destruction from above. The fireballs were marbles, because, you know, it's a kid's game. They didn't want to... Of course. It's not going to have actual fire. We get it. Fireball Island was a roll and move game, but that's about the extent of what I remember because we mostly like to set it all up and watch the idol roll the marbles down the paths, leaving untold destruction in their wake. Game rules be damned. Apparently, this new version has swapped things out for a card-based system and is a much speedier edge-of-your-seat adventure game. I will probably sit this one out, though. Because I feel like this is nostalgia I don't exactly need. I like my memories of Fireball Island, but I have no desire to play it again. And if I wanted more, I could just watch it on YouTube because I'm sure there's plenty to choose from there. But what does Fireball Island have to do with Ronald Jenkins? Ronald Jenkins is, uh, as described by Wikipedia, an American composer and musician. But that is woefully inadequate. That's like saying... Mark Twain wrote books about small boys. Technically true, but it doesn't really capture why it's so great. Jenkies mm -hmm. was one of the first great YouTube stars way back in the beginning when YouTube was more than flat earth Nazis and rotten meat chuggers. Now, oh, those days. I discovered him about 12 or 13 years ago. He was on his keyboard dropping fire like Barack Obama on a Pakistani wedding. Nothing but that keyboard, a jaunty hat I will not attempt to identify out of respect for Gene, and the thickest eyeglasses known to science. Now, if you want to listen to Ronald Jenkins, um, I, I really like his early tracks. Uh, start with Disorganized Fun. It's one of his first ones and still a banger. Um, you know, as a uh, connection, as we're already starting to make connections here, he does have mm -hmm. a track called Throwing Fire that is indeed oh. fire. <laughs> Well, and, you know, frankly, after watching a couple of Ronald Jenkins videos, I, I feel like throwing fire is what he does on a regular basis. And that that is a great place to start off making these connections. I was so impressed by what I saw. I was watching a video of him just throwing this all down live, just off the top of his head, just doing some shit that turned into this awesome banging tune. And I was my, my jaw dropped kid's a virtuoso he's so impressive and i can't believe i had never heard of him until i read your show notes well and he's got five albums now but and he's you know he's been on some some tracks he's produced some stuff but he's not mm -hmm. you know like a big time celebrity um largely because he's just a dude who lives in kentucky there's a lot of brilliance that has come from youtube i i think i'm a big fan of bo burnham mm-hmm I'm um, a big fan now of Ronald Jenkins. You know, certainly um, one of my favorite storytelling exploits, which was Petscop, came from there. It's interesting to see how YouTube has launched, you know, some some really amazing careers of some really amazing people. And then also, you know, there's there's your blippies and your the Axel shows. Well, you know, uh, Bo Burnham is another one of those guys that um, when I first saw him, like when he started making videos when he was still in high school, I was like, this kid's going to be huge. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. turned out to be right about that. Also, uh, when uh, what's his ass, you know, famous, good at everything, Donald Glover, when he mm -hmm. was doing sketch comedy in college and putting it up on YouTube, 
with his friends, I was like, oh, this kid, I mean, all these guys are great, but he, being the handsomest and the most charismatic, he's going to be a star. And I was right about that. So but he is, I mean, he, he, so I didn't know he started on YouTube. That's crazy. I, uh, I, my first introduction to him was in community, but even, even then I knew he was, he was the powerhouse behind that cast. Oh, bro. You've, no, you, no. you've got to look up Derek comedy. All right. All right. I'll have to, I'll, I'll send you, uh, I'll send you some stuff. But uh, so what else can we uh, tie between Fireball Island and Ronald Jenkins besides throwing fire? Well, uh, Fireball Island was not one of those uh, video game board games, was it? Or one of those video definitely, board games? Definitely not one of those awful, awful things. No, it was it was a specialty board game that um, rather than just coming with a cardboard game board, it came with a pressed plastic one in the shape of this jungle aisle. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, complete with, like, you know, elevation so that the marbles had a place to go. Well, one thing that it has in common with Ronald Jenkins in that you didn't know about Ronald Jenkins before I brought it to your attention, I had never heard of this game. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm surprised. Mm -mm. Yeah, the, the commercials were all over the TV in the 80s, particularly children's TV, and... Uh, and we lobbied my parents hard. I, I think from the moment we saw the commercials, it was a year and a half before we finally got it. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not going to lie. it We played with it for about a week and then we were done. Well, that's the way with a lot of those gimmicky board games. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um... Was it was it more expensive than your regular board game since it was the Yeah, I think it was I think it was in the range of like twenty five to thirty dollars, which in the nineteen eighties was kind of a lot for a board game. Yeah, well that's like you know, fifty five dollars in contemporary money. I don't know what the exchange rate would be, but it would be up there yeah. for a board game. I think so, yeah. I'm i I'm still struggling to figure out is there a stronger tie we can make between because I, yeah. I keep wanting to call this game the Fire Island board game, which would be a lot more fun and kind of more <laughs> more my wheelhouse. More geared towards adults, yeah, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, okay, let's let's talk about the fact that uh, Volcar is an idol. Right, and so is Ronald Jenkins. Right. Yeah, that's a good call. So there's, there's that. Um, and... There are uh, multiple paths to get to the top, but uh, but all of them are fraught with danger. N I don't know where this is going. Well, YouTube is kind of like that. YouTube is sort of like an obstacle course because there's treasures on YouTube. You know, oh, there's yeah, great yeah, stuff yeah. to find. But if you take the wrong turn, boom, Jordan Peterson every time. It's like right, or it's right. it's Ben Shapiro destroying something, and. Uh, those are my that's one of my my favorite ben Shapiro genres. trying to destroy right something. well but that's like one of my favorite genres is like ben shapiro destroys and then it's just you watch it and it's like him talking real fast about something that he doesn't understand and doesn't want to learn about right. but talking so fast so that if you're a total fucking idiot you might hear that and be like oh man i don't know but he's sure saying it quick so it sounds like there's got to be some ideas in there there's not. He's, yeah, he's literally like he has an IQ of 85. He's one of the dumbest fucking people alive. 
The only reason he's even perceived by as, as smart by some is because he projects confidence when he talks about these things. But it's not even an excessive confidence. No, and well, and it's clearly he's a high school debate kid because if you were ever on the oh, yeah. speech and debate team in school, uh, I knew him. I knew so many of him. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. The fucking kids who would take a briefcase to school every day. Like, mm-hmm. just to be the nattiest high school kid. Mm-hmm. But, um... You're so natty, why aren't you wearing a hat? R- you know, that's a good point. Maybe that's what you... You know, well, there's a lot of... There's a lot of people on YouTube that wear hats that have bad opinions. That's true. But I was a theater kid in high school, and I wore hats. And this was this was before people started calling Trilby's fedoras. Fucking gets to me every time. And I, w- I, I mean, I wore, I've always worn a lot of hats. Let's put it that way. It's true. You're, you're a man of many talents. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of modest talents in many arenas. Um, well, that's as, much, that's as much as any of us can say, really. We can't all be Donald Glover. Right, right. I'm certainly not Donald Glover. Wink. Oh, shit. Twist. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm absolutely not Donald Glover. All right. Um, well, I think that's probably pretty good in terms of trying to to tie these two ideas or, or things together. What do you think? Not to call Ronald Jenkins a thing. Well, he's a thing of beauty and a thing of wonder. He is. He is a thing of beauty and wonder. All right. Let's get on to breaking news. So I learned this week that former punchline Donald Trump starred in a movie as himself that wasn't Home Alone 2. This happened in the 1980s, and the name of the film was Ghosts Can't Do It. It was a film about sex, murder, and spooky goings-on. And by all accounts, it was terrible. So the film was created apparently as a vehicle to launch Bo Derek into stardom. It starred Bo Derek and Anthony Quinn, who played Derek's husband, Scott, who died and became a horny ghost. So horny, he convinces her to murder a young man so he can possess the man's body and have sex with her. This is a real movie. This is a real plot to a real movie. And one of the subplots, apparently, is that the wife is trying to negotiate a deal with Donald Trump, during which he routinely hits on her and she flirts with him. I want to point out that Trump is not the young man Bo Derek wants to kill, but for some reason he was still a part of the movie, and so was that plotline. Anyway, the thing only grossed about $25,000 at the box office, which by 1980 standards was probably generous, and it's why most of us have never heard of it. Donald Trump did receive some awards buzz for his performance, though, earning him the distinction of being one of the few people ever to earn a Worst Supporting Actor Razzie Award for playing himself. Which has got to hurt your feelings. It's got to hurt his feelings, for sure. I mean, if you found out that you weren't good enough at being you, that's... Well, like, he wears this this thin shell of confidence that he projects and beneath that is this endless bottomless void where he'll never be good enough and that shell is built out of his own ego but it's so fragile and so i think i think this probably he 
I'm not even sure this news ever made its way to him. Oh, no. I mean, he, you know, because he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would go see a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I looked it up just now, and this movie is available on Tubi, which is free. So go ahead and download Tubi if you want to watch Ghost <laughs> Can't Do It. <laughs> but um, I do also want to point out that original Ghostbusters came out in 1984, five years before this movie, and they had already established that Ghost can do it. Right, because there's that whole scene with Aykroyd and... Uh... The zipper. Yeah, the ghost. She she blows him down. She shivers his timbers. Yep. So, are we going to get into the sea, sea shanties here? Oh, man, that'd be good. I love a good sea shanty. I don't know that I uh, I want to... I, I You know, I love one too, but I don't know that I want this to be a sea shanty podcast. There's got to be a sea shanty podcast, folks. If you know of any good sea shanty podcasts, please email us. I'm not kidding. I, yeah, I want absolutely. that for my life. Mm-hmm. And if you'd All right. prefer that this became a Sea Shanty podcast, email us about that and we'll do it. We'll just do it. Unless we're ghosts, because, you know, then we can't ghosts do it. can't do it. <laughs> All right. Now, for my breaking news, I want to talk to you about a show that I've been a tremendous fan of uh, since it came out, which has met an untimely and ignominious end. I'm talking about Kim's Convenience. It's a Canadian show about a family of Korean-Canadian convenience store owners and their wacky neighbors. It's wholesome. It's sweet. It's really funny once it hits Mm -hmm. its stride. I mean, the first couple episodes, of course, are kind of just basically explaining the concept of Koreanness to you. But once you, you know, get to know the characters, it gets really funny. Um, Hmm. Unfortunately, uh, you know, every good thing in this world is uh, too soon over. And... uh, in the opinion of everyone except its creator, uh, this show is over too soon as well. You see, the CBC, the Canuck Broadcasting Cucks, and the uh, Netflix, who is sort of their distributor in the U.S., they were both stoked for a sixth season. So it's not one of hmm. these common situations where, you know, the network decides to shut it down. Yeah, because usually the villain is Netflix in this in this case. Right, but they were stoked. The cast and crew were stoked, so it wasn't like a, a one of the main cast members was leaving the show. They all wanted to keep going. Uh, but the problem is the creators of the show, um, particularly in Choi, uh, because the show is based on a stage play that he wrote, uh, mm-hmm. he wanted to move on to do other projects. I mean, he's probably making Dick, being the producer of a Canadian TV show, so, sure. I mean, I get that. And now he can, like, direct a Marvel movie or some shit, whatever. Who cares? But mm-hmm. because he's, like, the only Korean in the writer's room, they're like, well, we can't keep doing this show with an all-white writer's room. Because for some reason, they think that every writer's room has to be all-white, but that's neither here nor there. Because mm. the thing is, the cast is full of Koreans, and a lot of those cast members have screenwriting experience and they'd been banging on the door of the writer's room for years saying, listen, you know, I've written an episode. It's taken from my own life experience as a Korean Canadian. It's perfect for the show. Perfect for my character. And they were just like, eh, go fuck yourself. So, wow. Yeah. Well, and the thing, that's the thing. The cancellation shouldn't have happened. Needn't have happened. 
And it mm-hmm. also comes at the worst possible time for the narrative. Because I'm not going to give you any spoilers for the show because I do want everybody to watch it. It's a terrific show. But at the mm-hmm. end of the fifth season, there's a lot of threads hanging and all the main characters are left in a situation where they're kind of isolated and adrift and uncertain about the future because everybody involved, except Inch Choi, thought that there was going to be another season to tie everything back together. Of course. Yeah, so, so it's it's like a, another carnival for me. Yeah, Great. which, you know, that's another show that I thought, man, this show's got so much potential. And then they just fucking just ganked it in the dark. And what's funny is by today's measure, that show would have been hugely successful. Oh, it, well, and that was a big part of the problem was just that it was ahead of its time. And yeah. you could feel that as you were watching it. You're like, man, people aren't going to get this. And then I thought it was it was one of the most brilliant. It was it was the start of turning like comic book storytelling in. It was it was really the birth of prestige TV as far as I'm concerned. Forget the Sopranos. I mean, Sopranos was okay, but but this was high concept. You know, Clancy Brown in that show. Oh my God! Don't get me started. So good. Well, Clancy Brown's you know he's been one of my favorites for a long time. A tremendous and, actor, yeah. And that role for him is like, that's you know that could have been his greatest role ever. Freaking brother Justin, so good. That show had such an incredible cast. Well, you know, I know that you also enjoy a wholesome comedy. We're both uh, Good Place fans. I think mm-hmm. that you would also really enjoy Kim's Convenience. Uh, all five seasons are on Netflix. I do encourage you to check it out, and then. You know, when you get to the end, just do what I do with the end of Mass Effect. Just kind of create your own ending in your head and say, oh, there you go. They all live happily ever after. Yeah, that's nice. So is there any chance that they're going to get into uh, any spinoffs or anything? Okay, I got some I got some kind of bad news about spinoffs. Well, it's good for one person. There is one member of the cast whose character is getting a spinoff. Um, but okay, it's good. it's one of the only white characters on the show. <laughs> yeah, they and that's so like I'm not saying she's a bad character, and certain the actress is delightful, and everybody involved in the show is happy for her that she's getting a spinoff. But mm-hmm. she's not like the heart and soul of the show. She's kind of a secondary character, and I mean it reads a little tone deaf. It does for fuck's sake. Yeah, you know. So well, I'll I'll still have to watch it because because you recommended it and I trust your opinion. Yeah, I'll uh, watch the show and then tell me what your head canon is for season six. All right, sounds good. Let's move on to sports. All right, well, in honor of the dearly departed Kim's convenience, I wanted to spotlight the great national combat sport of Korea, which is not Taekwondo, despite what you've heard. I'm talking about Mukji Pa which is a variant of rock, paper, scissors that requires nerves of steel, lightning fast reflexes, and a high pain tolerance. Now, it's going to take a few minutes to explain the rules, but it is worth knowing how to play this game because anybody can play, and as soon as you learn how, you're going to want to find a friend and start a game up right away. Are you ready? All right, I'm, I'm super ready. Okay, so you start with your traditional rock, paper, scissors game that you're familiar with, which is Kai Bai Bo. Okay, Kai Bai Bo, and then shoot. 
All right, and so depending on who wins that, that's only round one. Depending on who wins that, then they become the attacker. And in round two, what the attacker is trying to do is they're going to throw either muk, which is rock, chi, which is uh, scissors, or pa, which is paper. And they're gonna okay. they're gonna call out what they throw at the same instant they throw it. And what they're trying to do is to get the defender to make the same hand shape, to psych them out, to mentally dominate them into following what they're doing. So if you can make the defender make the same hand shape as you, you get to flick them in the forehead as hard as you want. <laughs> I love this. Yes. I love it. I, I watched uh, people playing on YouTube because I learned about this game in college forgot about it completely the very existence of it or that i had ever known about it and mm -hmm. then i saw them playing it on kim's convenience just as a quick aside thing and they didn't like explain the rules or anything but it all came flooding back to me and i was like oh god the world needs to know about this the greatest game sure. ever invented <laughs> so you're trying to you're trying to as the attacker you're trying to get the defender to make the same hand shape so that you can flick mm -hmm. them in the head. If they don't make the same hand shape, if they make the hand shape that is beaten by yours, for example, say you throw a rock and they throw scissors, you're still the attacker, all right? Okay. But if you throw a rock and they throw paper, then it switches, they're the attacker. They get to call out hand shapes. Now, this is important. When you're the defender, if you also call out your hand shape, if you go too soon, or if you go too late, you're gonna get flicked. Okay. There's there's lots of ways to get flicked when you're defending. Do not fuck up. All right. Well, I I I mean, guess it sucks to be the defender. It well, that's why you gotta you gotta win. I mean, it gives you the edge, but also, you you've gotta get that knack of hearing and understanding what the person is screaming at you, but in the same instant doing the opposite. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the part where, you know, this game really does require reflexes and concentration. You know, I know you I'm going to have to look some of this up on YouTube because I imagine it is incredibly fun to watch. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is that as I'm explaining it, it seems like the game would be slow when it is played by people who've you know been playing it since they were kids. The game is very fast. Because yeah, in my in my head, it's it's got to be played fast, right? Because the speed is an important part of it. Because you keep that momentum going, and your your opponent is off balance, can't adjust. They're getting flicked, right? <laughs> it's all about the flicking. Mm-hmm. Flicking a. So yeah, um, talk your wife into playing a game. Let me know how it goes. Oh, okay. Not a big fan of hitting my <laughs> wife, but. It's a flick. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But so was Ghost Can't Do It, so... Yeah, but unlike... Unlike, uh... Unlike Ghost Can't Do It, this flick will not cause anybody any lasting harm. Okay, great. <laughs> Alright, it's on to the emotional weather. This week for the emotional weather, it's Huey Lewis week! So our emotional weather is Power of Love, Hip to Be Square, and I Want a New Drug. Would you like to lead us off, Greg? Absolutely. Now, for the power of love, and we want to say up top, we are huge Huey Lewis fans. 
So mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. this is not ironic. I love Huey Lewis and I would love to meet him. But oh yeah, um, for Power of Love, I thought about talking about my love of Debbie Mazar, but I'm actually going to talk about that next week because I want to talk about the movie Space Truckers. But okay. For now, uh, The Power of Love, a new study shows that telling children stories increases their level of oxytocin, which is a hormone associated with attachment and empathy, which is a rather dumb roundabout way of saying that children love stories and will love you for sharing them. Now, I don't really uh, believe in looking at people's brain chemicals to find out how they feel about things. I think it's one of the stupider trends of our time. It's like trying to figure out what time it is by measuring the tension in a spring in your watch. But if it inspires tech-brained idiots who care about pop neuroscience to read to their kids so they can cultivate the human feelings that their parents never had, I'm for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? We do read to little Gene a fair amount, and we do tell him stories. Uh, I'm going to up it a little bit now that I've heard this. Oxytocin, incidentally, that's that's one of the love hormones. It sure is. Your your brain produces. That's the uh, that's the sustained love ho- hormone. That's what... That's what you get after you're all out of dopamine. Yeah, it's the, it's the bonding hormone. Yeah, so good stuff. Yeah, read your kid an extra story and he'll love you just that much more. Excellent. My power of love story, a family out on Moses Lake in Washington noticed another boat circling before someone on the boat flipped off the family and yelled something about gay flags. The family, who were flying pride flags, started recording the harassment just in case. And wow, is it a good thing they did. Because minutes later, the boat bearing all the hate speech caught fire and all of its occupants had to abandon ship. Rising above, the occupants of the boat that wasn't on fire rescued the former occupants of the now exploded vessel and carried them safely to the shore. The rescuers didn't even get a thank you, but they did resume their cruise, letting those pride flags fly proudly. And I fucking love this story. It has everything I'm looking for in my news. It's actually hard to believe a screenwriter didn't dream this up. It's so perfect. It is really good. That is very satisfying to hear. I enjoyed that. I love a story of karma in action, and I love a story of hatred being being obliterated by love. Yeah, I mean, those people are still going to be hateful assholes, but... Oh, of course they are. Of course they are. But they had something bad happen to him for a few seconds, so I'm, I'm on board. That is the good part, for sure. All right, hip to be square. Hip to be square. Bazooka Bubblegum, the makers of Bazooka Joe comics, is launching a PSA campaign for this Father's Day in support of the dad joke, featuring comedians like Gilbert Gottfried, Anthony Anderson, and Dolph Lundgren to tell you that it is, in fact, hip to be square. Wonderful. Dolph Lundgren. He's still around, huh? Oh, dude, absolutely. Did you see Creed 2? I did not. Oh, he's fantastic in Creed 2. Okay, I'll have to check it like, out. Like, no joke. Um, he's really good. I'm, I'm noticing that I have a little bit of an 80s theme going on in here that I haven't called attention to before. So I'm going to mention that uh, the, the Donald Trump movie I mentioned was made in the 80s. That Fireball Island was a product of the 80s. We did Huey Lewis for the emotional weather here, and this next story features the Rubik's Cube. Giovanni Contardi is a unique artist. He creates masterpieces in a unique medium, Rubik's Cubes. He's created some really breathtaking work too, in one case a speedrun mosaic that used over 6,000 cubes. 
Giovanni is also a competitive cuber and has a couple of world records under his belt. This dude works with squares for a living, and I can't help but look up to him and admire his work. By the way, time-lapse videos of him working are pretty mesmerizing. Nice. Well, that's a square made of a bunch of little squares, so that's even more square than a regular square. Yeah, it's like squares squared on squares on squares on squares. Oh, shit. Did I just have a stroke or did you? It's just incredibly hip. That's all. Indeed. Now, talking about I want a new drug, one that does what it should. The FDA has approved a new weight loss drug, which is actually just a higher dose of an old diabetes medicine sold under a new name. Uh, hmm. It caused participants to lose an average of 15% of their body weight over 16 months and also caused nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea so that 1 in 20 people dropped out of the study before it was finished, which suggests that it made a much larger percentage not quite miserable enough to quit. And it's injectable. Hmm. Yay! Yeah, so much better than just eating a carrot. All right, well, mine is kind of in the same vein a little bit. Uh, we're in a bit of a wave of new treatment developments lately, not just for COVID, but for lots of other conditions, some of which are considered unbeatable in the past. For instance, one new drug by Amgen is said to delay or suppress tumor growth in up to 81% of patients with the KRS mutation in their lung cancer. This was a type of growth that previously had been very difficult to treat. The pending approval of a new Alzheimer drug has grabbed headlines recently, and there are others. But what makes me so sad is that all of this, every last bit, will be for the haves. The have-nots, the impoverished, will suffer, while treatment exists for the conditions that they suffer from, all while the haves pad the pockets of other haves. I want a drug that rids the world of this awfulness. Oh, I got the drug for you. I can't prescribe. Oh, yeah, I can't prescribe it over the podcast, but uh, let's just say that it's <laughs> delivered intracranially. Okay. Okay. Understood. <laughs> All right. Well, as you know, every week our investigative team uncovers a detailed and harrowing story on food crime, and this week, Greg Person has a story. Now, folks, I don't want to step on the toes of my favorite and least favorite segment of the show, the Podcast Shopping Network. But I saw a kitchen gadget, and I just couldn't get it out of my head. It's the Golden Goose Egg Scrambler. It is a deeply moronic contraption that allows you, with just a little elbow grease, to scramble one egg at a time in the shell. <laughs> well, now, you still have to do all the work. You can only do one at a time. And it does uh -huh. take significantly more time and effort than just doing it with a fork. But... By wow. God, at the end of this stupid, stupid process, you do indeed have a single scrambled egg, such as you might offer a baby or a small dog. <laughs> you can look up the operation of this thing on the company's YouTube page, as they have no shame at all about having created such a thing. But if this is the future of eggs, they can keep it. Give me a fork and a bowl, and I will John Henry the shit out of this dumb gadget any day of the week. <laughs> I mean, All right. I'm asking, Gene, how long does it take you to scramble six eggs? Six eggs? Yes. Uh, maybe ten minutes. God damn. Really? That's a long time. What are you doing? Well, I, mean, I mean, to cook them? No, no, no. Not to cook them. Just to whip them in a bowl. Just to do what this thing does. Not like 30 seconds most. Right. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It would take you. I've I've looked at the videos of this thing. It takes a solid thirty seconds to scramble a single egg in the shell with this thing, and you still have to crack it into the bowl. Okay. <laughs> so it seems so pointless. It's exactly. A, it would have been a perfect product for Podcast Shopping Network. Luckily, there's no shortage of perfect products for Podcast Shopping Network. Well, lay it on me. All right. Well, let's turn back the clock, Tim, shall we? Radical. The year is 1985. Ronald Reagan is somewhere doing something involving a city and a hill. <laughs> new Coke is on the market, and Coca-Cola tried a new formula, too. <laughs> Gasoline was a buck nine a gallon, and the hair was climbing higher and higher, like it might someday beat the space shuttle. Can you picture it? Okay, great. Now picture you're out on the town, and you don't want to be carrying around a big radio, one of those so-called ghetto blasters, and Jesus, I can't believe they were called that. You have a Walkman, but the simple truth is that good tunes need to be shared with the world, man. That's where the music vest comes in. So you can walk around in style, covered in a vest that looks like a chrome factory had a big wrinkly baby with Marty McFly's jacket in friggin' outer space. Bitchin'. The music vest has all the speakers you'd expect from a portable stereo, and you wear it on your body. You know, like a vest. The music vest is fully waterproof, so you don't have to worry about washing or weather. It's not going to stop the beat. The music vest retailed for $34.95, plus shipping and handling, in $1985, mind you. Oh man, you want to hear something awesome? Sure. I was looking up the music vest because... I want one because <laughs> I mean, it's, if I'm going to be annoying in public, I have to do it hands-free. Right. So this was going to be a good product for me, but I looked this up and it turns, I can't find the original music vest. Oh wait, here it is. Never mind. $14 on eBay. Holy shit. Yes. Yes. I'm going to buy it. Okay. <laughs> but there's a new vest that's come out. It's $499 and it's called the Wooger. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just it looks like iteration yeah it, it looks like absolute shit but the music vest with portable speakers is 14 dollars on ebay i'm absolutely going to buy one you know what it looks like it looks like the vest that the cool kid in the nintendo movie the wizard yes yeah it absolutely lucas it looks like something mm -hmm. lucas would wear he had the power glove. God, that kid was such a fucking creep. I thought it looked that's like, like it looks like something that you'd see, uh, you know, one of the bad guys in the Running Man wear. Oh, sweet! Yes, there could be a whole running. There could be a whole Running Man bad guy whose thing was like he's not going to sneak up on you because he's blasting music right through his speakers. But, but he's got sonic <laughs> weapons. Yeah, and he's got you know he rides a rocket skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> you know if it's been a while since you've seen the running man it is available on amazon and it is goddamn near a perfect movie it's a really fun movie okay folks it is time for state up the next state on our list kansas kansas city is an oxymoron despite being described as a red state kansas apparently seems to be hued in mostly pale yellow with occasional splashes of green and or brown. In Kansas, it's customary to offer one of your male children to the tornado as a sacrifice. If the tornado returns him, he will be trained as a shaman. 
Gilperson used to live in Kansas, a state with a primary crop that she can no longer digest. Everyone in Kansas is left-handed, but most of them are lying about it. The state flower of Kansas is the wild sunflower, the state bird is the western meadowlark, and the state pastime is smashing beer cans on your forehead while driving a tractor with a cop who's your cousin or something. Hashtag country cruising. Hashtag that Kansas life. Hashtag where'd you go, Uncle Toto? Hashtag the end. All right. Our final segment tonight, as every week, is person to person and person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. We've received, after a long hiatus, another email from noted Tim Little G, who writes, Dear person and person, how are you? I am fine. It's been a while since you've done a bonus episode. Are there any plans to do a new one anytime soon? Your secret admirer, Little G. Well, Little G, as a matter of fact, we've got a couple of bonus episodes in the works. We'll feature trailers in next week's episode, presuming that it's out on time, so we finally have more filler to keep the episode length as work-free as possible. Do you have any topics you'd like us to write a haiku about? Send them our way. We'd love to write a haiku and maybe a bonus limerick. Folks, that's all the show we have for you tonight. We love your feedback, and there are at least a few ways to give it to us, because the voicemail is now deactivated. Send us an email, person person show at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at AnchorPersons and check out our website personandpersonshow.com. Until next time, this is Gene Person saying you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying Mukjipa. Good night. Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Flicker.